Okay, the post-show. So we're coming up on, I mean, it won't be for a couple of months, but we're coming up on 500. I know that the typical response is to celebrate. Get fucked up! It's not a very interesting number, 500. It's a pretty interesting number when you have ten fingers. It's an interesting. It, it's an interesting number in only because of base ten, but because it, we have ten fingers, it, it's not because we have ten fingers because we have twelve knuckles too. Knuckles aren't as apparent as fingers. Want to fight? Yeah, I do want to fight. <laughs> base twelve is the base to use if you're going to use any no, base. I, I can't argue against that. I'm arguing against that the popularity of base ten is because we have ten digits. I don't know whether that's true. I, I think it's just the popularity of base 10 is because base 10 is popular. I think it's sort of the thing that builds upon itself. Like, you could justify the knuckle thing had to, had just to, as easily. No, you can't. I put my hands out like this. How many knuckles do I have? You can't see them because they're not as defined as my fingers. Well, but they, like, I, I, I remember this uh, documentary I saw where, where they're talking about a tribe, an isolated tribe, yeah. and they count by using, like, parts of their body and they went to I think like 17 or something like that and that was obvious to them so the whole obviousness of this is just because we're used to it just because that's what we're taught uh, so uh, it's a cultural thing and if the culture was around it's not just one culture it's it's well, no, because there were cultures that used knuckles. Yes, but more cultures, the, the dominant cultures, won out with the fingers. So who the fuck cares about the dominant culture? They write the history books, man. Yeah, and that's bad. <laughs> that's, that's not something to celebrate. I wasn't celebrating. I was arguing that's why base 10 is popular. No, I agree base 10. I don't <laughs> disagree with you that base 10 is popular. I disagree that 500 but, is an interesting number. <laughs> It's interesting for people who think base 10 is the counting system and have never considered a different kind of counting system. Yeah, but but I'm on this show. I'm one of the hosts, and I should get at least a say. And 500 is a lot of things. And 499 is almost as many things, sure. I feel like... I feel like this is my chance okay. to make a statement. All right, okay. So what number means a significant investment in time and is significant in your count, favorite counting system. Well, I, I don't... I want to point out that base what, 12 what is, is just an, what I think would be best useful number, but I think that... I want, an inter- I want a number that's interesting. Right. A, a number that and has and also problems. well over a decade of work. Yeah. Like like a number that, that, that means lot, a, a lot... It's well beyond subitizing range, uh, which is, means beyond four. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, I mean, because this is you know going to be thirteen, fourteen years of right. work, right? So we want something that that is also significant of a significant portion of of a lifetime. Well, okay, so I'm looking at Wikipedia for five hundred number. The only thing that I see is it's a Harshad number in bases 5, 6, 10, 11, 13, 15, and 16. That's like the only interesting note about the number, other than it's been used culturally in other places. That's the only interesting thing about the number. So let's see, 501 has more to it. It's the sum of 18 primes. I don't think it's prime. Uh, the sum of 18 primes, there are 501 degree 8 polynomials. Okay, it's, who cares? 
Uh, 502 obviously isn't that interesting. Uh, what's the next prime after 500? Not that I'm going to use... Not gonna right, because you're, you're basing the significance off of an insignificant thing. Right, right yes. Yeah. No, I don't want to just say primes, because it's not... I mean, a... So 500 is interesting because it's half of 1,000. So I think the answer of why is 1,000 interesting? You know, for our space 10 counter. Okay, all right. That, that's a good question. Why is 1,000... I mean, you agree that 500 is... Its primary significance is that it's because it's half of 1,000. Yes. Would you... Agree with that. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so a thousand is. So I searched for why is a thousand an interesting number, and I got one thousand interesting facts. So did you know the average human will eat eight spiders while sleeping? I think that's a, that's a myth. Starfish have no brains. That is a myth. Powder on gum is finely ground marble. What? <laughs> yeah, no, it's cornstarch. Dumb fucks. This is a big troll article, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Three things that I think are wrong right away. And there's only 997 more. I mean, it's not, it's not building a good case for itself right, right off the start. No. Okay, the interesting thing about a thousand is how we use thousands all the time. When we're describing a kilo and... Mm-hmm. You know, it's the kilo prefix, right? It's a thousand, yeah, yeah. uh, and we use thousands a lot in every okay. day because it's a multiple of ten. Sure. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. we? Um, well, there's also like the the logarithmic part of it, right? Where you you know adding a zero or is that logarithmic? But no, that's not. No, no that's not logarithmic. That's but, you I mean, know, it's it, logarithmic to base 10, but it's not Well, natural. it's exponential, it, right? It's 10, it's order of magnitude. Order of magnitude. That's, yeah. So, you know, something about jumping in order of magnitude is interesting. Mm-hmm. And a thousand is kind of... the first, Like, a hundred is not that hard to... Cons- we're not talking about, like, seeing... Yeah. But, like, a hundred is you can something you can see you see a hundred pennies regularly right? right but you don't see a thousand of something regularly i mean and also you don't see a thousand of something and realize it's a thousand yeah you'd be it'd be obvious to you the difference between a thousand and a hundred but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be obvious to you what those numbers were yeah but um okay so a thousand is an interesting number to me because when like okay, we were describing billions earlier in, in the pre-show, right? Uh-huh. So a billion is a thousand million. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an interesting way to think about it, but it's so. Oh, also, yeah, the the, the thousand grouping is each order of magnitude each, beyond that. Each right? uh, or three zeros, three orders well, of magnitude. Name change, right? Each name right. change. So like, Jeff Bezos has a hundred billion dollars. According to like the last thing we looked at, so imagine if you—I mean, you, you and I, and probably almost everybody listening—thinks that a million dollars is a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. So you take you take a million dollars and you make a thousand piles of a million dollars, and that's a billion dollars. Jeff Bezos. Has a hundred. Has a hundred of those. Your I mean, to be yours fair, and mine there's... salary combined is a rounding error to Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. 
To be fair, that's not all cash, right? Right, yes. To, yeah, it's not as if he has a money bin <laughs> that has this in, in dollars. But, it's, you know, the, the, the magnitude of the number mm. is impossible for us to imagine. We can only relate it to things. Because, uh, as we've talked about before, I'll mention it again. We can only really count to four. Maybe some of us five, some exceptional people who have really, who are really Counting talented. is not the right word. Subitizing. But yeah. you can, what I mean by that is immediately identifying the number of objects without an order to them. Yeah. So if you saw like a, just a blank spot with dots, yeah. most people in, would in be any, able to. In any particular order. Right, and any particular arrangement. So, so mm, like, yeah. if you saw like six in an arrangement on a die, on a like, that's on a die, you'd be easy. You like, memorize that pattern. You memorize the pattern and easily identify that. But if they're just if you randomly know, if distributed, you saw six in a random distribution, you'd have to count them. Right, you would immediately figure. You could immediately, instantly. That's the way the brain works. You could instantly go one through four. Mm-hmm. After that, you're counting. After that, it's just a lot. Uh, and some people, there are some people who go into five and six, and even I think I've, I've seen claims of seven. But that's it. Uh, after that, you're just counting. You're, you're using a different method. That should be a skill you can pick up too, right? Though you probably should, if you practice. You could probably practice if you. Yeah, well, this you, song sucks. You could have a game where it shows you random. Distributions of four, five, six, and seven. Yeah, if you practice something and, long enough, you get good at it. I absolutely think that's true, uh, and and you can train your brain to be better at at subitizing. but probably not to an amazing degree. Like, I, like you probably couldn't get beyond six or so. It's probably a limit to, to most yeah. people's brains. I think you're right. I mean, yeah, be, I couldn't imagine someone being able to determine the difference between 9, 10, and 11. Yeah, I mean, you can guess at it, but you're more likely to be wrong than right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just it's just the nature of the way the brain works. So uh, don't be mad at it. It's just It's just nature, man. Don't be mad. Pulled Regina Spectre back up from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it, it, nice. it, it was on my list. It's like, yeah, yeah, what the hell? I'll just play some of that. Um, okay. All right, here's an idea I had. I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. I have no idea. It, this is just something I thought about when I was thinking about math because I was I was not good at math when I, I'm still not good at math I had to te- reteach myself all this math mm-hmm. to learn all this stuff that I that I know now about about uh, physics um, and it was hard I'm still not great at it mm-hmm. but I just worked myself into sort of understanding it uh, through sheer like just determination to sort of I need to understand what the hell this means I think that when I was a kid, at least when I was in school, I hated homework. Hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never did it. It was a problem for me. <laughs> uh, me too. Because who wants to do fucking homework? We're, you're already in school for eight hours a day. Why do you need to do more? So here is my idea, at least for math. 
Uh, and maybe you could apply to other things, but this is my idea for math. Variable homework. Here's how the course works. No pop quizzes. You have a test once a week. Every day, you have homework assigned. But the teacher starts out by never checking homework. It's completely optional. After tests, if the student has a grade below a certain level, the teacher will check their homework. Uh, properly completed homework can retroactively raise a student's level on their tests. So if they're doing poorly on a test and they do properly completed homework, they can retroactively improve their, their score. This so, be, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like rewarding practice, right? Right. This would be curved so that using homework to go from 96 to 98 would take all year, but 40 to 70 would take a reasonable commitment, say, like a month of homework. Mm-hmm. Teacher can use a weekly test to gauge students individually and assign homework based on concepts the students may struggle with, which would increase the effectiveness of homework while decreasing their repetitiveness and duration. So you don't have to do homework if you get the concept. You'll be tested on it weekly. If you get the concept, you're fine with it. You don't have to do it. And the teacher can also pinpoint which students are having trouble with which concepts and focus that. Sounds amazing. Have you have you met any elementary school teachers lately? No. <laughs> like I said, I do this not in isolation without yeah. talking mm-hmm. to any yeah. teacher. So this is just an idea I had. No, but, I think it sounds really good. I like the idea of hard work. If you're not a good test taker, but you put in the work and eventually get the concept, earning those points back. I yeah. like that idea for sure. Uh, the curve thing is makes makes good sense as well. Um, I think you have a lot of good ideas there. I think it's the you're gonna find that ain't nobody got time for that shit. Yeah, I mean this is more like a private school yeah. thing than, than a public school thing, right? Um, but I don't know. I just came up with it. I was thinking. I was for some reason thinking, but. Because I was high. I was thinking about school. And I was like, you know, like, if, if this were, like, there were classes that I would have been, if I had, like, some homework I could skip and some homework I had to do because I need to get better at something, mm-hmm. I may have been more inclined to do that. Because, like, the prob- the big problem with homework is, like, you always had to do it. And it bugged the hell out of me because plenty of times I didn't need to do it and other times I just I didn't want to I, it wasn't going to change anything <laughs> if I did the homework mm-hmm. or not if I was like doing yeah. poorly in the course so the idea is the homework is there to reinforce if you don't need it don't worry about it if you do need it then it helps you improve your, your scores so you can use it to regain some of the points you may have lost in the test and no pop quizzes none of that shit you, you, you so you're honest I, with the kids. I almost never had a pop quiz in, in high school, elementary school, anything like that. So, like that was just a thing that I saw in like mm. the movies. <laughs> they were they were relatively rare, but remember, my high school was all pop, was my high school and junior high was pretty much all private schools. So I don't know if that was part of the reason. Yeah. So yeah, like pop quizzes were I never a thing I was worried about, right? Um, maybe I can think of one time or two times, but 
not enough to actually be concerned about it. If there was a pop quiz in the science class, I knew I would ace it, so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So I was super interested in science oh, shit. Oh, man. I think I've told this story. I know I told you this story before. We've been doing this for so long, but it was 11th grade, and when I took my physics class, that's when I fell in love with science. Uh-huh. You know, it was... The teacher would allow you to have one sheet of paper front and back with whatever notes you wanted, formulas... Mm-hmm. Your crib sheet, whatever you wanted, right? Because the important part is understanding the concept, how not to apply memorization. How to apply stuff, right? And so you know, you. But it's 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 so much more like real life, right? You prepare for the material you're working mm-hmm. on, and you know there's a test, but you know you don't have you. I mean, in real life, I don't have a crib sheet. I have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> when I need to when I need to find something out that I don't yeah. know, I look it up. Yeah. And there are usually people who. But, have I mean, there's the something problem. really good about like. You know the test is on, so you get your research material, you prepare mm-hmm. your crib sheet. You're learning the whole time you're preparing that crib sheet. Yeah. And I just and the teacher, it was like a teacher. It was like a year before he retired. It was just so cool. He made it interesting, and that's when I came to realize, like you know, you can use math to predict. The physical world it was like 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 lights were going off and mm-hmm. angels were singing like this is so beautiful this is amazing and you know the year before that was chemistry and it was it was a whole bunch of memorizing right shells and orbitals and yeah. shit like and that and some people work well with that method and yeah. some people you and i, I mean, include you could probably I, I think you can probably make I, I think someone could make chemistry super interesting to 10th grade Jeff, right? It's just that teacher wasn't. Well, I could, like, I remember I could spout off science shit like nobody, like, I, like, in, in one class, for some reason this sticks in my mind, like, 10th grade or something, why, why are there seasons? And I immediately said, the axial tilt of the earth, 26.2%. Twenty-six point two degrees, something like that. Like I, I like I knew the number. Mm-hmm. I, I just, for some reason, whatever I had it memorized, yeah. just because I was interested in that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought chemistry was interesting, but it was less. It, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it had less. Um, I, I'm trying. To, like I'm, I'm, I'm circling around the ap- application. It's right? a little abstract. But, Right, it's a l- because when you're in tenth grade, like, what are you actually using, right? Right, you and know, that, that's it's a- like you know the experiment where we turned a penny silver or gold or whatever it was with the you know the, the compound and the heat mm-hmm. and stuff, and like, oh, that was so cool. Oh yeah, you, you you put it over a Bunsen burner, and the copper essentially burns away, and then you get the zinc. No, out. no, we actually turned we coated it in something, oh, okay. and it turned gold. Oh. Huh. Gold color, maybe it was bronze. Maybe I don't know what it was. I don't remember. But we made gold pennies. Probably uh, tin, right? Copper and tin would be bronze. Could have been. Yeah, it was probably like a tin oxide or something like that. But, um, but we've, I, you know, we've talked about everything, right? I, we that was where they were teaching us about orbitals or something, you know, like, or shells or something, right? And it was like, like, and then like a year later or two years later, it's like, well, that's not really true, you know? It's like, fuckers. Right, and we talked about how 
you initially had a problem with that, but I think you've you've recently yeah. learned that that's sort of necessary. I just you have to abstract that. Yeah, but it'd just be nice to be like, this isn't the whole story. But, yeah, no, it would be nice. Yeah. But, um, but another thing that I, I, I mean, I didn't really appreciate the number line until I was in my thirties. That's bad. Yeah. Well, I think Common Core style math helps a lot. We've talked about that too, yeah. right? Where you know, people, old people like us complain that they can't help their kids with homework because the math, the show your work's different. Right. I. I argue with those people all the time. Because those people don't understand math. And they were taught to wrote something. Yes. And that's how they understand. And, and you, that's how they and, understand. I mean, the them. way I start with the argument is your children are getting a more intuitive grasp of the number line. Which is just good. Because I mean, you might not appreciate this, but if you are going to go into an engineering field math is a thing that you have to do all the time and just having that more intuitive grasp of numbers makes it helps with every bit of math going forward every bit of math is dependent on the idea but the other thing about common core it's not like about these ridiculous show your works it's about estimating yeah and that's so amazing because you know it's always group your work so like you know like We've talked about this. Just tonight's the recap episode, I guess. Um, you know, it's how do I want to describe it? But I love it, like because my kids are estimating numbers, so they know the answer is between this range, and then they zoom in, they zoom in and focus on the actual answer. But just getting that estimate for like real life, you don't have to go past the estimate. Yeah. So when you have those tools where you can get this gut estimate in like seconds a lot of the time you don't a lot of the time you don't have to get the answer yeah and absolutely true so you mentioned cool teachers that's i think one of the things i was thinking about was if i were a teacher how would i be the cool teacher and the thought came into my mind of cell phones in class right i know that's a big deal how do you deal with cell phones (laughs) in class so here is my cool teacher approach Student can use a phone in class, but only one at a time. And they must walk to an isolated cube to do so. So they have to use... So not confiscating their phones, Mm -hmm. but if they have to use their phone, they have to walk to an area and use their phone. So it's a little bit theatrical. They have Mm -hmm. to go through a process. But they're allowed to. It's not... you know, Whether it's an important thing they have to say, you know, an important message Mm -hmm. to do, or even if it's just... They know the concept. They're a little bit bored. Okay, but only one at a time can do it. And if it's a you know if it's thinking about boring, then you're you're not letting other people do that. Because only one at a time can go. It really, I think it really depends in like where you're teaching, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've paid but attention. I, I'm guaranteeing that some students will take advantage of it, but I think that most. Right, but if you're in like a, an urban school district, like with behavioral problems that are common. In those districts, right? Now. Yeah. I'm trying not to stereotype, but like I've just seen evidence. Well, urban like, doesn't necessarily mean a particular. Yes. Yeah. It, it's more about economic circumstance yes. and their culture, right? But you know, because of like lower levels of empathy and things like that, in and respect, they're like, fuck you, I'm going to monopolize the cube, 
right? Uh-huh. I'm going to go in there at the beginning of class. I'm going to stay the, the whole fucking time, right? And that's what you would have in, you know, less empathetic regions. So I think your plan is good, but if you're in that kind of school district, you're going to have people lining up. Like, the first person is going to get there before the bell and, and use his phone the entire time, right? <laughs> like so you said, there may be people who exploit you need, you need it. To but have this, is my, this was my, my point with this thought experiment was just to be the cool teacher. Yeah. That, that you need to have a countermeasure like, for people who will just use that as... Like, you, your experiment there assumes that there's going to be some empathy and sharing in the classroom, right? No. No? No, my experiment was more... My, my thought process is more kids don't want to be embarrassed by being singled out. So, like... I think, I think you have that problem with, you know... I'm not saying I'm right. I'm yeah. just, <laughs> it was... Uh, so you, you may be more right than I am about this. You you have kids, I don't. It's not just the kids. It, you know, it's like some of the... They've, they've, it's a thought process. I, I've listened to some podcasts and stuff about education, and especially urban education, right? And it's just a different... The, the kid, when you grow up in the... Economically distressed, on the street, whatever, right? You know, In the hood. They, well, they have very... I just don't want to sound like the white guy talking about black kids. All right, well, let's get the car on there. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, problem with Twitter and the internet in general. What's that? Twitter and the internet in general. It's not that most people don't have anything to say. It's that most people don't have anything to add to the conversation. <clears throat> so you just get what people believe and arguments over incredulity and other nonsense. All noise, no signal. So that's why, I mean, there was a lot of stuff about Oh, every story can have a comment section. People can tweet all the time, but really, nobody has anything to say. Nobody has anything to add. And everybody, everybody has somebody to say. Everybody can say, "Oh, I agree" or "I disagree." Nobody has anything to add. Very few people have something to add. That's that's the advantage of like letters to the editor, and then the editor can pick out the people that have something to say, and and even if they disagree with them, at least put something somebody has something to say okay. out, something to add to the conversation, as opposed to somebody who is just saying, I dislike this because bleh. And of course you occasionally put those out there, but you're, mo- you're more interested in, oh, okay, I may disagree with you, but you have something to add to the conversation mm-hmm. or some note that, I, that wasn't there. Right? Because most, most people don't know what the fuck they're talking no. about. I don't know what the, what the fuck I'm talking about about a lot of these things. I have some ideas that I think are good, but of course I think my ideas are good. Especially when I'm high. <laughs> they all seem a lot more interesting when you're high. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. How do you... How do you raise the level of discourse? So there's... I don't know. I was just in the app store today looking for something else. And like on their right now on their most popular apps. And you've probably heard about this. I can't think of the name of it right now. Let me see if I can find it. Is Bridge of the Divide. Have you seen this? It's a oral history project from StoryCorps that gets uh both sides talking again so it's an app to help you talk to conservatives oh bullshit (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah okay yeah i love this song i love this song 
Um, this is a quote that 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 was on one of the forums I'm on talks about a bunch of different stuff, and I was reading the whole QAnon shit. I don't know if you've been following it. It is a crazy. Um, basically, it's a it's it's a apocalyptic Christian mythology, but then made into a political. Okay. Right? There's going to be. Uh, Jesus and his heaven fighters are going to defeat the evil stuff any day now. It's going to happen and it's going to change the world, but we got to wait. That was just in the news about how the evangelicals are like meeting with all the Arabs, uh, leaders and stuff to like because it's prophesized in the end times or something. <laughs> it's all this bullshit. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but I don't, don't surprise me. So, this is the quote that was in there. Um, bunch of bo- broke-brained boomers with no meaningful politics besides spite and tribalism are depending on opaque figures they have built an enormous mythology around to finally emerge in a great revelatory moment to strike down all their enemies and spare those same boomers the horrific fate of having to deal with the long procedural slog of doing politics. It's a fantasy of laziness that believes justice will be served without any effort on their part but on their but on their terms. Yes. It's good. <laughs> I was like, yes. That, that point at the end, justice will be served without any effort on their part, but it will be served on their terms. It's a fantasy. It's kind of like the government shutdown. Yeah. It's, it, it's the same psychology. Right? Uh, so, can we talk about that real quick? Like, this whole shutdown, right? Trump is like, I know we. Are, I don't think this gets too political, right? This okay. is one specific thing, and that is. Good luck getting your refund, by the way. Well, oh. <laughs> refund, tax refund. Oh, holy shit! Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna get a refund this year. Well, no, not with all the acquisition stuff. <laughs> I no, right? Pay, yeah. My money is Me going too. to be drained from my bank Me account. Me too. And I got a, I got a big payout because of. Uh, us being recapitalized. Mm, okay. Yeah. I got co- but, I got two raises this year. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, that's gonna be a bad tax next this year and next year are gonna be bad tax years for me. Um. Anyway, he wants the funding for the wall, and he's prepared. Says he's prepared to hold out until he gets it. And he's like, this is a negotiation. And basically what he said today in the new in the soundbites was like It could last month or year. Well, but but the people that you're negotiating he's talking about like the Democrats will eventually accept my offer when they could have accepted it today, right? That's kind of what he's saying. Like, where's the negotiation? The negotiation the, the thing about and I'm going to get a little political here. The thing about Trump is the negotiation is not... He's not negotiating on behalf of people. He's negotiating on behalf of his ego. Why well, not? That's yeah, it. Yeah. So that's the only thing that but he cares when, about. Like, opinion is going to turn on this quick, don't you think? That... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I assume. But shit. Politics are all fucked up now. Not, nothing, nothing makes How sense. How long is the government going to be shut down? What's our over-under on this thing? I can't imagine it goes on for more than a couple weeks before... A couple weeks? Something. insane. Yeah. Yes, it is insane. 
but there's like a hundred thousand people who aren't getting paychecks. There's eight hundred thousand people who aren't getting paychecks. That has a huge effect on the economy. Eight hundred. That's amazing. I, I thought it was less than that, but that's unbelievable. And services are going to stop. Ha- I mean, sh- it hasn't really affected people much because of all the vacation people are on and all this yeah. stuff. So it hasn't been fully apparent how much this affects the people. And it will become very quickly. And then the question is, who... At some point, you 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 would say it's more likely for the Democrats to cave because they... Because from their perspective, they actually care about people. Where Trump, like I said, doesn't care about people. He only cares about his ego. So... You, you think... Uh, that was my next question is, who... Who blinks? Who's good bum blink? I can't. The Democrats are being so reasonable about this thing. Well, from our perspective, of course they are. Um, I, I they just gave I, I, them, I, I, it's important to it's yes. important to they detach yourself from the situation and the understand same level of defense spending. Yes, and, but and border spending as last year. But you could make the argument, and it's not something I agree with. But you can make the argument. You're spending billions of dollars here, there. What's $5 billion here? Why can't you just do that to placate this guy and open the government? Why fight and hurt all these people if it's just an extra $5 billion? Like, like I think I that one person talking made. about this might open the door for DACA. Like, they might add DACA. Yeah, but that was... Might uh, trade $5 billion for I mean, DACA. The thing is that... What I, from what I read, that was on the table like a year ago. Okay. And that's when they wanted to give $25 billion for the wall. And so Trump is going to mm-hmm. drop down to $5 billion for DACA? I don't buy it. I, Trump is, okay. he just wants a win in his column. And that's all he but cares about. He doesn't and even need a win. He can just I, lose and say he win. Here's the thing I don't think Trump backs down. I think this happens either one of two ways. The Democrats cave, or not, or there's enough pressure on the Republicans that they pass it with a two-thirds majority, they can override a veto. Uh-huh. I think that's the only way that this resolves. I don't see Trump caving, just because I think that he's his ego is too big for this. Yes, but I mean, there's been other times where he just that, you're not li- he just lies himself out of the loss, though he just. Tells a different story. That that is the, the the interesting thing about it is that he could just lie himself. I, I think that he he took the the criticism he was getting too seriously because mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't have to worry about uh, at least from from my perspective he doesn't have to worry about those people who love him because they'll love him no matter what he does. Mm-hmm. But there's no denying that even though he's an idiot with dementia, he has a certain savviness about him in terms of of those people who love him uh, yeah but he, he can handle them with complete fallacy he doesn't need a win in this to handle those people according to his calculus he thinks he does mm-hmm. and as long as he thinks that he's not gonna stop so either he's convinced and the, and the yes men he's surrounded himself with right all the adults are gone they've all left he's now surrounded by yes men who 
he's not going to be able to get anything accomplished, but he's still surrounded by yes men who are telling him that he's doing a great job. And he has Fox News telling me all, all he's doing is a great job. So once Fox News started to say he wasn't doing a great job, he immediately did what Fox News told him to do. And Fox News ain't going to stop. There's a feedback loop going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't see this ending via Trump. Someone else has to cave or overwhelm or override him. Those are the two options I see. I could I could very easily be wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the only way out of it. And from a perspective of if I'm a Democrat, at some point I say I care too much about the people to let this continue. If I'm me. Uh, yeah, I, I... I think maybe I'm imagining some fan fiction here, but, like, I see this as being ruinous for Trump. That's just... Oh. That's what everything was supposed to be, right? Yeah. All the sh- There's so many things supposed to be ruinous for Trump. Something is going to be ultimately ruinous for Trump. Right. It happened to Reagan. It happened to everybody who's Teflon, right? Mm-hmm. They eventually get the thing that, that, that brings them down. Especially someone who's like as fucking corrupt and criminal as Trump is. This could be it. But we've been saying that for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but... You got a million, almost a million people with no paycheck. That's got to push back. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. The thing is, people in, not getting he, their refunds. He is in, a huge he's in such a bubble, though, that his people are probably telling him that it's not his fault. That's the problem, right? And even if they were telling him it's his fault, he doesn't. He doesn't. I think if his just men are telling him that it's his fault, then I think he would change. It, I think he just gets rid of people. Who tell yeah. I, well, he would. He would paint it as a win. He would. He would solve the problem. And then go out the next day and say how he won. Yeah, right. right. He'd, he'd figure out some... He'd, I mean, well, he wouldn't figure out some... It he'd, doesn't he'd, even have to be... he some spin and, well, then, and then... It doesn't even have to be half true. He just says shit. Yeah, all that's the right. Time. He, he, he just says lie. He just lies. Lies constantly. What I remember when, when Clinton was in office and people called him a pathological liar. The, the, the Republicans did. They have no... <laughs> Trump is that's all he here's a joke I made how do you know that Trump how do you know when Trump talks that he's lying or how do you know when Trump is lying how can you tell when Trump is lying when he talks my answer is Trump is always lying (laughs) (laughs) not so but by the you know it's obviously when his lips move but I say no yeah. <laughs> skip that yeah. go meta and take even, Trump as even when he's not talking he's lying <laughs> yes <sighs> I guess we got a little political there it's inevitable I just don't know how this like if he comes out of this the winner I am going to be so distraught like more distraught than anything <laughs> like this is like this should be his Waterloo it, like, how can this not be his Waterloo? <laughs> how could the grab him by the pussy have not been his Waterloo? <sighs> well, because, well, that I, that I can justify, right? We're in the we're in the TV celebrity president era, right? It would be curious to see whether we 
push back from that or embrace it, you know, where yeah. uh, presidents are celebrities. Well, I imagine there's, there's going to be, no, no matter what, there's always some pushback. Of, well, first, right. but, then, but, like, is The Rock going to be our next president? Well, I, I, I think that he has swung the, he's opened up the, the platform. He's opened up the presidency because now a lot more shit is going to be acceptable than it was before. Mm-hmm. And that's just an evidence. That, that's just the nature of things. Right. Uh, he's changed I saw, I saw an article, a satire piece this morning. It's like, I love women, but I really hated Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and, you know, you get, there's a whole bunch of things about how Hillary Clinton was so bad. And, like, I'm starting to feel the same way about Elizabeth Warren. I don't know why, but... Reminds me of two Onion things I saw recently. One was this... It's actually an article from 99, but... Uh, Eight million Americans rescued from poverty with a redefinition of term. <laughs> yeah, and and the other one was this, which I thought was great. Myth: the homeless spend their money on drugs and alcohol. Fact: you also do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, she persisted. This uh. this is apparently true. Sean Hannity warns that you know, there's a bunch of shit about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Seems uh, yeah. like a fun person. Who's fine? Uh, will stop rich people from buying boats and taking expensive vacations. According to this, Hannity said higher taxes means the rich people won't be buying boats that they like recreationally. Fuck the rich people. Seriously. Yeah. When I hear shit like that, I'm like, bring back guillotines. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yes. Okay. Guillotines. So, yes. So, there was a story about this conservative report writer for the Federalist okay. who died died suddenly. She's like a twenty six year old writer for the Federalist, super Republican, apparently an anti vaxxer. She died of H one N one bird flu. <laughs> Oopsies. Um, but. The funniest thing, and and no one, and I'm not trying to. Everyone's death is tragic, blah blah blah. I, like, I I don't didn't I don't want her to die. I'm not, but since I'm, she did, but since she did, she made a tweet two days before. I'm going to eat at Quiznos. R.I.P. My stomach or something like that, or, or, and. Quiznos actually responded to her saying, Yeah, you go. And then she died two days later. And then Quiznos hadn't believed the tweet. And I, and I think that's funny because it's like, probably Quiznos is only, like, that's the only way they can get attention. <laughs> but then somebody made this picture. And usually it's a guillotine that says, This machine kills fascists. But it's a Quiznos toaster. <laughs> 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 oh, we talked about Gritty McNasty, Worker Gritty. Oh, we haven't? You may have, but I, just, I don't. All right, so Gritty McNasty is the Flyers' new mascot this yeah, season. Yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. And sure. the far left has adopted it. Has adopted Gritty. Yeah. And some of the memes are just amazing. This is, this is the tweet from her. I'm getting... The lobster sub from Quiznos for lunch. R.I.P. My digestive system. And Quiznos responded, "Yes, Derek. Yes, girl." (laughs) (laughs) She died two days later. Some of the gritty memes are so good. You know, (laughs) 
I don't have any handy on my computer here right now. But uh, like, wouldn't it be bad if I seize the means of production and it's like this three-panel thing? <laughs> this was interesting because this was uh, one of the QA add-on shit. Because it's all things, but okay. they power button. They believe that the power symbol is satanic because it's it's like an obelisk. Okay, and it's supposed to, and and they think yeah. that uh, without perspective. Okay. Every time you press the power button, you're subconsciously engaging in an occult ritual. This is the subtlety of the serpent who is quietly programming humanity or mocking us. The three-dimensional version of the sodomy icon can be found in front of St. Peter's Basilisk Serpent. Obelisks are satanic phallic symbols pointed at God. Now, I've always thought of obelisks as phallic, but I never thought of the idea they're pointed at God, and now I never won't. <laughs> Dicks pointing at God. That's... <laughs> That's what obelisks are. So when you see the Washington Monument, it's a giant dick. It's not just a giant dick. It's a giant dick pointed at God. Hey, God, here's my dick. Woo! Suck it, bitch. That's awesome. How could that not be awesome? It's pretty good. Uh, okay, let's end on something philosophical. Okay. You ready? Yeah, bring it. Drop it on me. Is thought physical? Is thought physical? Alright, so... This is the old Cartesian dualism problem. Mind-body problem. Let's get cheaty in here, man. We haven't talked about the end of the good good place up to now, have we? No. I mean... I, uh, the Janet's episode was the most recent one. Yeah, so we didn't talk about that one. We'll get back to that, I guess. Is thought physical? See, I don't know if I'm really having. I mean, it's just opinions, and it's almost yeah, of course. it's almost this my is, own personal. Neither of us are experts, but it's like my own personal uh, philosophy, right? And it's it's complicated. Even for my own personal uh-huh. thing, right? Because, you know, I'm still torn between, like, determinism and, you know... I'm more of a compatibilist, but that yeah. that's fine. Compatibilist means I accept that the universe appears to be deterministic, but I think that free will can exist fine in that idea because Different free will means... Right? Well, it, it's more like I don't think there's anything... Outside, I, I think that in terms of free will being our ability to to believe that we have decisions and, and that we are making these decisions on our own, or the fact that they're influenced, I don't think that there's really a meaningful distinction between the two. Yeah, I think that it's kind of it's kind like, of an illusion, right? It's, it, it's 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 an illusion and it's, it's real at the same time. It's chaotic and not it, they're like. Is it ultimately predictable from a from an outside point? I don't even know if that's necessarily true. Does the universe proceed in a, term, in a deterministic way? As far as we can be concerned, yes. But I have lots so, of so here's a, here's a, to that. So here's a quick rabbit hole for you, right? And why does making decisions seem to be so hard if it's already predetermined? <laughs> right? Like should because you, should you just like say fuck it and always go with your gut? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but but. 
It seems so. It's not going to change anything if you choose to go with your gut. Because you're not not choosing to go with your gut. I have answered that because we have experience of going with our gut working and going with our gut not working. So we level that experience, and so we know that sometimes it works. Sometimes, if we, if every time with our our gut it worked, then we would always go with our gut. But are we really choosing not to go with our gut? That's why I'm a compatibilist, (laughs) and I say it doesn't matter. As long as we perceive it to be the case that we are. It's sort of like the simulation argument. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if we're in a simulation. As long as we perceive it to be the real world, it's effectively the real world. As long as we perceive as our choices As you perceive to your be. choices to matter. Right. And you know, I want to make good moral decisions. And I want to further the progress of humanity and stuff like that. So I'm going to swap I, I, I would say that there is no real difference between you perceiving that you're doing it of your own will and deterministic forces making you perceive it such that you are such that you think that I think that that's a meaningless distinction alright so that would be a compatible is thought physical um I mean to some degree right like all the information is stored in chemical form it's beyond our current level of understanding that's one of the things they have in travelers they have from the future technology they have a black box you can hook up to a person and you kind of scan their as they're dying or dead you can scan their memories but it's like it's not it's not easy peasy like you can't just download it right you have to kind of coax the person into revealing their memories but that kind of reminds me of something that sort of relates to this actually which is the holographic principle, which sort of informs some of my ideas about this. The holographic principle, very roughly speaking, says that all the information about the interior of some object can be encoded on the surface. So, uh, it's applied right now to a lot of black hole physics, the idea that the interior of the black hole is encoded in the two-dimensional surface of the event horizon. That's there, it, it's sort of a way to get around the information paradox. That It, it, it seems esoteric and not, and not real, but, but the reason why that I think exists is when you think about just going into quantum mechanics, what you're dealing with is you have these states of definite particles... These are the so-called Fox states where you can say, okay, there's, there's five particles here, there's three particles here. And you have interactions where you, they, these aren't Fox states. You can't determine what's going on. Essentially, quantum mechanics is this black box where you say what's going in and you can then predict with very much accuracy what's going out. What's happening inside, you don't know. But we, are, we have very accurate reasons to know, okay, based on what's going in, we know the three or four things that can possibly come out. That means essentially, you have a surface that has some inputs, and you don't know what's happening inside, but all the information is still encoded in terms of what's going in, in terms of just the surface. So that's a black box, right? You don't know what's happening inside, but you know the inputs, so you know what the outputs are. You know that the outputs could only Mm -hmm. be one of these particular options based on what's going in. So that's the holographic principle in general, that because we know what can come out, 
when we know what could come in, we all the information about what's inside from at least that's relatable to us is based on what goes in, is based on what's encoded on the surface. <laughs> so here's where I come in with, with where this relates to the thought and stuff. I think that uh, thought is not singularly physical, but it's the interaction that matters. It's not that there's you can have a thought. You can't have a thought without a brain. But it's that chemical, electrical thing interacting with a brain that right. causes thought. You if have you, to have if both. You if you don't have the sensors to read the information, process the information, re-encode, restore, it's it's kind of it's kind of. I mean, maybe this is where I'm like, this is just philosophical, almost that, like drunk or high Jeff like pondering things right but it's almost like it's almost like the economy right like the economy isn't money it's the movement of money right mm -hmm. thought isn't memory or thought it's the movement of right you can't isolate a it's thought it's a transport it's a transport of a process yeah, it, it, and, it and, is literally a process. Like that's the thing is that yeah. you can't describe it as an object. You can only describe it as a process. It requires interaction because a process is not an object. An object. I mean, objects are kind part of, of a process. You can kind of equate it to refreshing computer memory, right? Like because like you have to read it and you have to rewrite it and it refreshes, you know. And that's again not scientific, Jeff, but yeah, ponderous, right. so, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I agree. Like, in order for a thought to happen, there has to be a state before the thought and after the thought. There has to be an interaction between two states. Mm -hmm. A thought doesn't exist on its own because that doesn't make any sense for a thought to happen without there be time involved, without there be a, physical, a right? substrate. The answer to your question is still physical. It's right? physical yeah. because the interaction itself is physical entities interacting with each other. To me... I think it is like it's not singularly physical, but the interact, but it is uh, entanglement. It is the yeah. it is the entanglement. Sure. Of I think processes. that's I think that's you know, I I, I think that's it's called. I mean, it's it's a complicated go, idea. Go from there to consciousness, and right. like, is your consciousness today the same consciousness you had yesterday? That's a whole different level, right? Yeah, and and here's the thing about this. Follow this to its logical conclusion, and I think you're forced to accept the idea that consciousness is not a property of human brains, but is probably a property of matter in general. What? Yeah. That to some extent, everything... It's sort of a panpsychism idea. To some extent, everything has... Varying the state machine or something like that. Well, like the sun as a whole is a huge amount of things happening, very complex. I can't say for sure that there isn't some sort of version of conscious happening. A dog is not conscious and, like and, a human and, is. In a but complex enough system, there there's so much happening. Well, like okay, so um, dolphins, right? Dolphins are intelligent beings that don't have. A, very good way of communicating with us. outside of their species. Right. 
Dogs. But I wonder if they think the same thing about us. Dogs, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Dogs appear to be conscious, but they're not conscious on, on the way that we are. Does that mean... what? Is there a point where things become conscious and things don't? Are just mammals conscious? What What is the consciousness of an insect? What right. is the consciousness of a tree? There's things, you know, like just plain straight up stimulus and response versus um, reasoning. I think it's part of consciousness. But I right? think that is more described by a continuum, by a gradient, mm. than it is described yeah. by some sort of point where you can yeah. say, oh, this yeah. is consciousness. This is, this is why not. it's complicated, right? You got the whole idea of tool use, because, you, you know, the idea of using Which I think tool, is, 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 a, is a poor, very, it's a very poor definition, because now that we've seen, like, fish use tools, insects use tools. Right. Uh, but it's, it's an indirect way to achieve your goal it's, right? a, it's also very culturally biased and biased towards a particular way of looking at things my point is that if you accept a sort of gradient idea then where does it stop and also where do you right. what are, there could be other consciousness like I don't particularly think that this glass that I'm holding in my hand is particularly conscious but if it were it doesn't interacting, con- it doesn't consume enough energy to really be conscious, right? right? But if it were inter- if it were really hot or interacting with a lot of different things at a time, or over some incredibly large time scale, perhaps okay, something so, like but, consciousness but might emerge. But energy balance, right? Things that consume energy. So plants might have a consciousness. Uh huh. The sun probably doesn't because it doesn't consume energy. It creates sure it energy. Does. It creates energy. Well, it creates energy from existing things, so it consumes the energy that's in the in the binding. Oh, so the atmosphere, the, the corona, might have a consciousness. Well, even it's not really consuming, core. right? It's not. What what is taking in the energy in like in doing a physical process, right? It's the, all the energy is radiating out. Well, the what? energy is radiating out from us too. Well, no, but what I'm saying is we take in more energy than we radiate out. Yeah. Or, yes, okay, but everything thermal. does. That That's the second law of thermodynamics. Right. But the sun, is, because the fusion reaction is... Much more efficient. But it's expelling its energy. Is there a process in the sun where it is absorbing energy... And creating complexity, right? The complete c- yeah. Creating... There's a bunch of. I mean, just okay. just in order to to fuse things, right? Things okay. are not fusing if there's not anything happening, because right. like, gravity you know, is combining are, things you know, together. There right. is complex. So, like the thing I have in mind is like like we take energy from our food, yeah, and we create new molecules and stuff like that, right? We have machines yeah. in us. Now, that... so like that's the process where we're consuming energy. So, like, my hypothesis right now is systems that consume energy, glass is not consuming energy. It's a steady state thing. There's thermal stuff going on, but not much. But it's not, it's not creating material. It's not transferring. No, but it it's, is radiating away heat. Rather inefficiently. Right. But it okay. is radiating so away So, my, my, my proposition here is that Systems that, okay. and it will ultimately decompose. Right. Okay. So, like systems like plants and humans, right? They they take in energy from their environment. Yes. And they build new material. Not necessarily. They grow. They grow. They build make yes. material. They make well, material. They, they they convert material into other materials yes. by doing. 
but they're combining stuff. They're doing stuff like that, right? right. So they're not creating like, material; they're converting things. Okay, building a structure. Building a structure out of other parts. Yes. So you know, part, no matter is being created. I just want to make that but, point. Right. It's important. It is. You're right. right. My point, though, is not so much that it's the uh, the machines doing the work right the, it seems like the, the the thoughts the consciousness kind of at least in the brain part of us is where that happens right so like but where's other lots places of parts of us like we've talked about how our stomach has its yeah. own thing right, right. let me get to my point you're, you're really derailing me here i i, I feel I, like <laughs> i keep like having these caveats i have to add because it's... right please gloss over a few of them okay all right the point i wanted to get to and this probably is going to fall flat but you know, like I'm thinking of a system where crystals are growing, mm-hmm. right? It's building complexity out of raw material. So, like, I'm trying to think of like a crystal growing, and like maybe crystals are conscious, right? Because they're building, adding complexity, and there's transfer of information, and there's this and that. You know, it's I don't know. Okay, that, so that, that's where I was trying to get. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. I would say almost the opposite. Crystals are not building complexity; they're building very ordered structures they're actually taking uh complex stuff and they're making oh. extraordinarily ordered okay so you think entropy is more it seems like we're like our material is ordered right it's it's ordered in cells no it's and... only ordered because of the way we look at it like from from a statistical entropy is a, t- a statistical phenomenon right so right uh, so the, things that like, something that, that is low in entropy would be something where it is extraordinarily ordered. Like for example, if you had a chessboard where every other piece was occupied, that is an extraordinarily ordered, very regular thing. That is very low entropy. Mm-hmm. High entropy would be just random yeah, all over the sure. place. Now, if it if you it had takes a, energy to make order, if you had and... a big chessboard that spelled out "Greg was here." To us, that means something, but in terms of the entropy, that's still a pretty high entropy situation because that is not a really a particularly ordered okay. situation. Even though it means something to us, it only means something from our perspective. So, no, I would say that we are not a particularly ordered system. In fact, we're pretty okay. complex. Um, to the nature of the sun, we are, in terms of area, more luminous than the sun. We make more energy pound for pound, weight for weight than the sun okay. does. But there are areas of the sun that are extraordinarily energetic and, and that are doing lots of really complicated things and, lot, and lots of stuff. Uh, and if that process is in on some level related to consciousness, and I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying that I think things are pointing in that direction, mm-hmm. then... You have to ask yourself, is there some consciousness just that emerges out of the interplay of 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 uh, actions and, and reactions? Energy transfer. Yeah. Could be. But then you'd have to have an organ or something that could uh, interpret that consciousness. Right. right. I mean, the, the, the thing, yes. Yes, absolutely. Because the thing that's interesting about us, from a human perspective, is we is we have this. I don't know whether it, it can be described as an illusion, whether or whatever, but we have this this feeling like we're in the driver's seat, like we're 
like there's you know the 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 old quote by Descartes I think therefore I am right that mm-hmm. feels right mm-hmm. uh, at the same time I know that me as a person as a as an identity if you will has changed over time mm-hmm. and even changes with my mood and changes with the circumstance and changes with what I put in my body yeah, but so from, there's not a, really a continuous a... thing it just feels like it Yes and no, right? You're still mostly the same Greg I met in 1996. Yes, and if you go back to my other argument versus free will, you could make the argument, you could throw it back in my face and say, well, isn't it the same thing? Mm -hmm. Aren't you, the same way that, is there really a difference between me thinking, me having the illusion that it's real and it being real? Mm -hmm. If it's ultimately, if if there's no real difference between them. And I and I throw that back in my face. I say I don't have an answer to that. Uh, that that's why I thought it was a cool thing to end on because it's, it's yeah. one of these philosophical things that no one has an answer to. It's just fun to think yeah, about. Sure. And like I have a strong belief that this might be the way that that my thinking might be right. But I also have a very strong, very strong opinion that I'm probably wrong about everything I think of and uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh. Whether it's a tiny degree or whether it's a large degree, I think I'm wrong about everything. Uh, so no, you're not Doug Forsett, so <laughs> well, Doug Forsett is fucked. He's fucked, but he nailed it. He got the theory right. He got the theory right, but he was. He was he but he got like the 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 basic of. You didn't ideas. get the accounting right. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. He got the. The structure, the structure, the right? He, he he understood the the architecture, but he didn't understand the dimensions. Yeah, let's talk about the good place for, okay. before we go out. <laughs> okay. So Janet's was the most recent episode. Yeah. Uh, I've watched it twice. I like it on a couple different levels, but uh, watching um, Darcy Carden, Darcy Carden, do the different characters. Some scenes were amazing somewhere okay but then watching her do a character doing another character right that was when you're like this seemed like a little bit of a cartoony version of jason and then you realize yeah that was the point <laughs> and it's like oh yeah then that's you think even cooler was, but when she was doing real jason oh my god so good yeah um and we, we, did, we did talk about this episode because i know we talked about pillboy okay. Yeah, that's right. We did. I, I know that you've. Um... I love that part. That's my favorite scene. <laughs> oh, dip! I'm gone. <laughs> I was thinking. I was. I was there being nothing, and then all of a sudden I was. And it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dip! I'm nothing. Well, yeah, yeah. Eugene Cordero is the best. He's so awesome. He was great in Other Space. Uh, it's great in like everything. And uh, yeah, so it's really curious to see where they're going. I love how they. Uh, they don't really, they, you know, they, they take some liberties to kind of reinvent the show, but they never take the, like, they didn't do what Travelers did. Like, they didn't just, like, wipe the slate clean. Right. It's always building, always building. And we're staying with these characters. We're not <clears throat> killing yeah. them off and going, okay, yeah. new version. Yeah. Uh, the story is changing, but the characters are, are, are there, which is one of the, uh, like, that, that's one of the things that I think community taught me. Uh well, you know, as as I was growing into understanding mm-hmm. story structure and all that, uh, genre is malleable. 
as long as your characters maintain who they are, mm-hmm. you can flip the genres and yeah. change the circumstances. You're attached to the characters, and as long as they behave like they like you would expect them to behave, mm-hmm. then you're you're in. You're you're with them, even at, no matter how ridiculous the situation becomes. You're grounded in the char- the characters are grounded, so you you don't feel like it's just going off the wall. Yeah, I'm the- really curious. It's like every almost every turn in the good place like i have no idea where they're going now right yeah it seems like like oh the bad place hacked the good place the good place like, but like now they're like go, we presume they're gonna see some good place people uh-huh hope you know some administrators of the good place you would presume that haven't accepted people in 500 years for probably because so so my like initial headcanon is we we went to the accounting office. We saw that all there all these absolute point values for the same action mm-hmm. over and over yeah. again. So that means that, but the point values what they start off being have no point values, but they get established. Mm-hmm. So that means that there was probably like it was. I'm just trying to put this into words. I don't know how exactly I, I can. I haven't really thought about it enough to to put it into words yet. But like they the people who do the good place probably have have set up some system and then they they've defined the way that humanity is such that they just simply can't Don't. get enough points yeah it's that or you know i mean maybe the easier play is like demons have applied for jobs at the accounting office or there's there's lots of ways yeah, it can go which yeah. is cool I, yeah. there, there's like it's but it's i think it's, it's probably gonna come out of left field right it's probably gonna be and if not this, then something else will, which is the the trajectory of this show. It's always like you're you're led along for one or two episodes, and then the circumstances change, and you're led along, and the circumstances change, which is one of the things I mm-hmm. I love about the show is how creative and how much it, it's it's willing to just completely blow up its premise and take a season or two worth of ideas, grand them into two episodes, and then just continue on to the next show with these characters. Right? It's just it's jumping genre it's jumping from show to show, yeah. premise to premise, with these same characters. What's your great if, fun if, characters? If anything? I think they need to reestablish why Michael is fighting so hard for these people. It seems like it's a little over the top at this point. Well, I mean and it's inevitable that shows sort of get cartoony as yeah. they, they get in. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that was especially like I, I watched some of the season two episodes just recently. And uh, like, especially the episode where well, he's, he's a fugitive and I guess no. So, right. But the, the episode where Michael has to, the trolley problem episode from mm-hmm. season two, yeah. uh, where he starts out, you know, figuring out the best way to kill everybody. <laughs> And then torturing Chidi, and then realizing <laughs> that he's bad at this, and he wants to get better, right? Because yeah. he's always had this weird fascination with humans, and he's actually like starting to to yeah. appreciate. No, it's, a good, it's a good point, right? And you know, he really doesn't have any other refuge. Right, so he's kind of locked in, and he's always been a sort of humanity fan. He's mm-hmm. always been a yeah. fan of of all things. So, it, I mean, like, it. I think it makes sense overall. I agree that maybe it's not totally justified, but I don't care. Yeah, like it's it's justified enough. I, I mean, it's not like I dislike anything Michael does. It's just like yeah. I was, it's, his motivation was starting to wear a little thin. But if I think back about how he's kind of cornered. 
and how he evolved but, from. But but that's the thing. He's cornered. But even if he gets these people into the good place, it doesn't save him, right? Yeah. You know, so. Right. But now he's not trying to necessarily get them in the good yeah. place. His goal is to change the way that people that yeah. that, that humans themselves are evaluating. Because I think he loves yeah. humans ultimately. Is, yeah. is the thing. He's a human fanboy. Whether and he, it's not necessarily yeah. that humans are the best thing in the world. It's that humans are the best thing in the world to him. Yeah. No, no. Like you said, like you know, he says in one of the lines. I, I know it's touristy, but before I go, I really want to visit a lens crafters. <laughs> lines like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many great one-liners. It's a well-written show, and it's nice that they can only they only have to fill thirteen episodes. End of conversation. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, I think we we spent a, a enough time talking yeah, about a bunch of bullshit. So uh, before we go, we won't be able to do a show until s- at least Sunday of next week because I'm going to be in Arizona until okay. Saturday around midnight. All right. Uh, so plan it for that. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Hopefully, I'll bring back some stuff. Bye. Bye.